0: Guys, it is a joy to be here this morning and um, and spend some time in God's Word. Uh, as we've been going through this, this Advent season, uh, we, we've spent time on love on the first week of Advent, and we talked about how love was an action, how... Uh, uh, really, love is a gift we can only give if we've accepted it from Christ, if we've accepted his love. We found that love was also like its greatest enemy is, is not hate or indifference, but it's pride and self-interest. Like that Like is what keeps us from giving our heart to Christ, from turning toward God is pride and self-interest. We think we don't need him. We don't need him. And it's the same thing that keeps us from loving our neighbor as we get focused on ourselves. Uh, and then we found joy is a thing that uh, is not like happiness that is contingent on circumstances, uh, but yeah, it's just always there. It's a constant regardless of what what trial or tribulation we're going through. And then last week we found out that peace, uh, we need peace because uh, the Old Testament was shalom, it meant complete, it meant whole, and when we sin, we break that. We break our relationship with God and it creates uh, chaos, and then we break our relationship with each other, and, and God's creation, and nature, and like just becomes chaos. But Jesus made a way for us to have peace with God again, and therefore we should be peacemakers, is what we talked about last week. Like wherever we go, we should be bringing a, a level of peace with us into the situation. Well, this morning we are talking about hope, and usually people do this on the first Sunday of Advent, and uh, we didn't, so we're doing it on the last. Uh, really, the first three hinge on hope, um, and hope is really the fuel for all of it. As I was praying about this for the last couple of weeks, I, this is a thought that came to my head, and, and I want you to think about it as I say it, um, and, and, and I want you to really let it kind of settle in, okay? Uh, people can live without love. You know, you can get by. People can live without peace. People can live without joy. But without hope, you're really just dying. Amen. Like without hope, you're really just dying. If you don't see uh, some positive possibility in the future, when they interviewed people who were considering suicide, thinking about suicide, this is the word they said that every one of them said they felt like there was no hope. This is the anchor. This is the thing that fuels our motivation to move forward. It is hope. And, uh, and so this morning, we're gonna, the title of the sermon is Against All Hope, And it comes from one of my favorite, uh, my favorite verses uh, in Romans chapter 4 that we'll get to in a minute about Abraham. Uh, but maybe you've been in a place of hopelessness somewhere, some point in your life, like just up against the wall. Like things just, there's no way that this uh, can work out. Uh, that, that maybe it's maybe it's at work, maybe it's uh, in in your in your marriage, maybe it's with your kids, maybe maybe it's just you personally. Like you just feel hopeless because you keep messing up, you keep messing things up, and, and whatever it is, you feel like it, it's just completely hopeless. Uh, uh, this morning, I want to share with you a little bit about hope before we get into this the the passage of scripture here. Uh, there's a lady named Dr. Carolina Leaf, uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, and uh, she's like a, a a, a brain neuroscientist. She's not a medical doctor, but she studied the brain. And, and she studies how there's a, and she's a Christian, and she studies how the mind, our thoughts, and processes can impact and actually rewire and change your brain, the physical part. And, and she's from South Africa, and she spent some time um, studying some people in South Africa. You may be familiar with a thing called apartheid. This was uh, a, a season, a long season of, of racial segregation in South Africa. Just, the, the, it, it was a terrible time. It was from about 1948 when it was kind of official. It was bad before that. But up into the early 1990s in South Africa, it was just uh, uh, the, the white race, which was the minority, ruled everything. They were only the ones allowed in government. And, and the ma- majority, which was uh, Native uh, Africans that were there, were, uh, were ruled and segregated public places. They were put in a place to live. This is one, uh, just one little short paragraph about what happened there. And one of the most devastating aspects of apartheid, the government forcibly removed black South Africans from rural areas designated as white to the homelands and sold their land at low prices to white farmers. From 1961 to 1994, more than 3.5 million people were forcibly removed from their homes and deposited in the Bantu stands where they were plunged into poverty and what's that last word? Hopelessness. Hopelessness. All right, so Caroline Leaf, she decides, she's going to go in, she goes in and spends time with these people because she meets some of them and they they have hope. And she meets some of them and they do not. And so she did a little bit of, she's a research scientist, so what I'm going to share with you is just what she found from a scientist's perspective in the ones that had hope. Can I share that with you? Would that be, it was helpful for for me to see, because here in this place, what we're talking about in South Africa, the, the past looked bad, the present looked bad, the future looked bad. Like, if you're in their position, like, there's no reason to have hope, really, And we could be in the same place. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's Omicron. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't even know. I just read it. I don't watch the news. The Omicron. Maybe it's like, oh, man. I I mean, I just saw, uh, uh, and this is not a political statement, but I just saw the, the president's statement. that said something like, prepare for the winter of death. Prepare for the winter of illness and death wow, Christmas, <laughs> you know, like, oh man, that doesn't give you much hope. Maybe there's some truth in it, but it, it, it doesn't just fuel hope inside of me about the next three months, just to be completely honest. Uh, may, maybe, 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 it, maybe it's, maybe it's COVID, maybe it's addiction. I want you to think about our place too the town we live in the county we live in the region we live in so so maybe it's covered maybe it's maybe it's a, a addiction uh, maybe uh, maybe it's poverty maybe it's it's corruption uh, maybe it's a broke your broken families maybe it's excess maybe we just have too much that we can't like like, I can't, I can't sort through all my stuff to even have a moment to care and feel real compassion or pain. Maybe it's apathy. Maybe it's religion. Maybe we, we, it's become uh, just church became a thing we, we, we did and we, instead of a thing that we are. But here's what she found in people that had hope. Uh, we're not going to talk about the ones that didn't. You can just understand the opposite of this. Uh, the things she found are the people that had hope and and she 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 found a lot of these I'm not going to go through all of them in detail but I'm just going to kind of throw them at you so you can kind of hear it uh, the f- the first one was a deep sense of community uh, a deep sense of community that these people felt like they were in the world they had meaningful connections uh, with other people. One of the things she said is and, and I want you to we're going to talk more about this later. Surrounded by family and friends who did three things. They noticed, they listened, and they helped. All right, you can write those three things down if, you're, if you write, if you, if you just memorize, notice, listen, help. They had a deep sense of community. They were connected to people. Uh, they were accepted for who they were. They were valued for who they were, what color they were, what gender they were, whatever they were. They had inherent value and worth their identity. They they didn't feel like they were a bad person or stupid or crazy or less than or broken. Uh, they were inspired, the people she would meet with that had hope. Like they saw themselves as part of something bigger than themselves. They felt like a lot of the people that had hope were they were actually talking about helping their neighbors these are people who should not have any hope really if you looked at their circumstances but they saw themselves as 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 a bigger part of a bigger plan Uh, they had ownership of their own lives they felt like they could choose and make decisions now they knew they had consequences but they felt like they had ownership of their own lives and and they had the ability to choose that a sense of ownership a sense of agency I choose to do what, I can choose what I want to do with my own life. Uh, they had freedom, freedom to express thoughts or philosophy without being kicked out of the tribe. Uh, they were able to examine their own life. They could kind of have perspective and say, I mean, I know it's been bad. This has happened, but I believe I can dig out of this, and here's how I think I can do it. They had, they had some perspective. Um, They lived outside of social labels. They weren't just, you know, they did not see themselves as a minority or as someone who was less than. They they took those labels apart, and they saw themselves for who they could be. Uh, And they had courage to embrace the pain, like the hurt that had come upon them. They didn't ignore it. They felt it, and they began to heal from it. And I tell you, as I thought about all those things, as I was listening to her podcast on the YouTube, as I thought about all those things, I I began to think about our region and our place. And and I tell you, what I began to think about was the church. And, and And I want you to ask the question of yourself, do people in our region or our neighbors find hope in the church because I want you to think about those things she listed because what's amazing is is, is she connects this back to the way that God wired us and made us the great designer and if you read the Bible if you really think about what God said about a deep sense of community how many times does he talk about the importance in the New Testament of love one another of being in community and, and together we spent weeks here on a series about community about how we were meant to be connected and with each other. Uh, how, did, how often does he say, while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. In the very way you are, he loved you in the way that you are. And, and we find inspiration in the Bible because he says we are a part of a body of Christ. Some the hands, some the feet called to do something greater and bigger than ourselves, his purpose, his mission, uh, his goal. We're taught we have the ownership of our own lives, the ability to choose to serve Jesus or to not. Uh, we are called to examine and search our own hearts and our lives. We are not what other people label us. We are a child of God. We um, are encouraged to repent and see the sin of our lives, address the hurt, and let God heal it. Like all these things are biblical. There's three things I really want to talk about this morning. One is, um, and I'm just going to kind of give these give these to you, and then we'll work through them. Because of Jesus, because of this this cradle, uh, we have hope for eternity. We have hope for eternity. Because of the, the, this cradle, the manger, uh, we have hope in the present. And what I'm really going to spend the most time on this morning is because of this, the, the, because of Jesus and the manger, uh, we have work to do. <laughs> All right? We have work to do. Let's read my favorite verses about Abraham. Romans, starting in 4, verse 16. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life. Because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age he figured his body was as good as dead. Anybody there? <laughs> and so was Sarah's womb. <laughs> God had given him this promise: you're going to have a son, and through this son, you're going to be the blessing to many nations. He had every reason not to believe. Verse 20 says, Abraham never wavered. Can 2022 be the year that we never waver? Can it be the year that we just believe that God can do what he has promised? That we believe he can do what he's he's promised in our lives? That we just believe it with everything in us? That we walk by faith and not by sight? Like, this is going to be the year we don't waver. Probably will, but we're going to aspire to not. (laughs) In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. The NIV says, Romans 4.18, it starts like this, against all hope. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. There's some things about Abraham you'll see if you go look in his life, and I just want you to kind of you can think about these uh, that, that, that we do when we have hope. Someone who has hope, this is how you live your life. This is what happens. Abraham moved forward. Like you cannot move forward in life. As soon as you don't have hope, like you just stop. You just slow down. You don't make progress. You don't have dreams. You don't have plans. You don't have vision. Like as soon as you don't have hope, you don't move forward. People who have hope move forward. Abraham went. He didn't even know where he was going and what he was going to do. He took, took Isaac up on the mount like he just went. He moved forward because he had faith and he believed and he had hope. Uh, people who have hope and are positive and, and can see something good coming, uh, they're contagious. They bring people with them. It spreads. Hope spreads. Good news. The gospel spreads. It's contagious. And then they don't give up. Abraham made all kinds of mistakes. like He he messed up plenty of times, but he never gave up. Isaiah 7, 14 said this about Jesus. All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The significance of Jesus being born, fulfilling uh, over 60 prophecies in the Old Testament, is that it was against all hope, really, at this point, that the Messiah was going to come. He had been promised uh, uh, for a thousand years, hundreds of years. It had been silent, 400 years from the end of the Old Testament, that, they, that the Old Testament prophet said, there's going to come a, a child, a king eventually. That will reign forever, that will redeem us all. It had been 400 years, and, and against all hope, that it had, it had fallen down to a small few that still woke up every day and believed. We're still waiting on the Messiah. We believe he's going to come. We believe God's going to send the Messiah. We believe he's going to send him. And, and this, the Jesus being born, was, was that was was God saying, you know what? against all hope, I, I bring dead things back to living. I create new things out of nothing like i, I it, hope is not gone. <laughs> okay, hope is not gone for 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 your marriage, for your family, for this church, for this community. like hope is not gone. Amen. And in Jesus, he said, We find that against all hope, they waited 400 years, and Jesus represents in his birth the reality of what God can do. In Romans... Chapter 3 and verse 21 says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Because of Jesus' birth, his perfect life, and his resurrection we have hope for eternity have hope for eternity like like no longer do we have to worry no longer do we have to carry the burden that sin brings into our life and wonder can i be good enough am i going to make it to heaven and it's just so simple there put this righteousness is given through faith in jesus christ to all who have worked it out have have given enough have done enough good deeds have you know they've not said a cuss word in 3 weeks No, it says to all who believe. Like, it's that simple. Flip the whole world upside down. Flip the whole system upside down. Like, here's the man that can do it. Jesus, he did it. Perfect righteousness. Believe in him. You trade your sin for his righteousness. It's that simple. And you have access to heaven. We also know that because we have hope in Jesus, because we have Jesus, we have hope in the present. Because, you know, we have these promises throughout the New Testament. says that he is working all things to our good of those that love him. Uh, We we know that, that he has big dreams for us, good things for us. We know because of Ephesians 2.10 that we are his masterpiece, his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good things in which he prepared in advance for us to do. You have purpose because of him. You have hope in the present. And it says we can trust in his resurrection power that rests inside of every believer. Power to overcome things that you think you can't. Anybody have a hopeless situation in your life right now? Something, work, family, you just feel feel like you've accepted it? Like nobody, everybody's good. Preached the wrong sermon this morning. (laughs) Y'all perfect, y'all just hoping and believing and God's going to do everything. I'm not there, I'm glad you all are. Every week I come across a hopeless situation that I think is done and then God shows me, reminds me, this is a process. Now, in hope, there's another side of this word that's called trust, <laughs> okay? Because God will, he, he may not break through in every situation that you want him to. You've got to believe he can. You've got to pray like he can. You've got to live like he can. And then if he doesn't, you've got to trust that promise I just said. I'm working all things to your good like I can see the big picture you can only see a little bit you're just seeing dimly right now I know what's good for your faith you got to trust him but he, he, we have we have hope in in present situations uh, and then we've got we've got work to do and this is what I really want to talk about if we've put our hope in Jesus he's here he's really and we've got hope in eternity we have hope for the present he gives us work to do he gives us commandments. It would be really easy to kind of just rest in that, right? Hey, we're going to heaven. Uh, let's just hang out until we get there. But, but he gave us two things, really. He gave us the great commission. He gave us the great He's like, oh, yeah, you're going to heaven. You're one of mine. Let's go to work. The great commission. He said, go into all the nations and make disciples. Tell people about me. Tell people about Jesus. And then he gave the great commandment, which said, love, the, love your God with all your heart, soul, strength. And then, and then he said, Love your neighbor as yourself. So, so we got the great commandment. This is work to do. We got to share Jesus, and then we gotta love our neighbors. Like we gotta love people. We gotta love well. As I was thinking about this, I started thinking about our place. And I thought about those things that Carolina Leaf said: you got to be in community. And, and here's what I started to ask, and maybe this isn't the right, uh, you know. It's, I know it's Christmas Sunday, and this is weird to talk about, but it's just what God put in my heart. Is that okay? I started thinking about this, uh, and then I started thinking about the place in which we live. And I start when she said, "These people were connected to people who noticed, <laughs> listened, and helped." Oh man, that that it convicted me a bit. And I started to ask about my own place and, and some people that, that, that we see that, that may not be here today, but you've got neighbors, we've got people in this place that are facing hopelessness head on. I want to talk about it just for a minute, okay? The, the first question I may ask is Have we even noticed? Do we even realize? Uh, do we realize this is a map of uh, the Appalachian states? some of you probably seen this before Uh, this is you can see in Kentucky those red state those red counties uh, that's distressed counties bottom 10 percent of the country economically bottom 10 percent have we even noticed the people living under the bridge Have we noticed that there's nearly 1,000 school aged students that are considered homeless in Pike County, not knowing who they're living with from one day to the next? Have we uh, noticed the number of children, and, and some of you will say, yeah, I've noticed this, who have been raised by grandparents? Some of your teachers are seeing it, you know it. Uh, you know, there's 3,000, and I love Pike County. I love Pikeville. I love this place. There's 3,113 counties in the U.S. Economically, Pike County is 2,950th. You go to Walmart, one in four people are living in poverty. Average per capita income is 22000 Dollars a year you take, a, you take two people making that with a family of four and you tell me how you pay rent <laughs> nine out of eleven people you meet at Walmart don't go to church feels like against all hope to me uh, it feels like, man, we've tried everything for 60 years. We've tried every political initiative and, and movement, and um, and it's not been it's not been addressed. It's been improved, but there's lots of things that keep it from working. I want you to think about what I read earlier about people who have hope. I, I want do we even we may notice the people and maybe you've noticed these things maybe you've noticed neighbors who are struggling but have you ever listened that one's a little tougher isn't it because sometimes when you listen oh man it changes your whole maybe you get a little judgmental maybe you start thinking like y'all remember the story uh I, I, I told you about the uh, the the lady that was a, a gynecologist, and she had um, she had a, a patient that came in and, and and you know she said she was a physician so she always went through this stuff and she said do you smoke and the lady said yeah I smoke and then and the, and the doctor was like well, you gotta quit smoking it's gonna kill you you just got you quit smoking like that that's the thing you do as a doctor with a patient and uh, and then the the patient began to share how she started smoking and she said you know when I was a uh, before I was a teenager, I was 11 or 12, uh, my, my dad used to sneak into my bedroom and abuse me at night, and he hated cigarette smoke, so I started smoking. And you're like, oh. Okay, you go talk to somebody and listen to the situation that they're in and understand that maybe it started, their addiction started with, with a prescription that was written with, with, with good intentions. And maybe they never even had parents when they were, They went from one house to the next. They never enjoyed the safety, the peace that we felt growing up. And I'm not saying it excuses this, bit, but it, expl- it can explain it. It can give you some compassion. And if, they're not, if we're not even noticing them and then we're not even listening, how can we help? And if we're not helping, how are they going to find hope from the church? I'm saying Jesus, if he brings hope to this place, it will be through the church. We are His body here. Not they can't just hear a verse that says, you know, uh, uh, you know in Jesus, in Christ, we are more than conquerors. you're more than a conqueror. Go on, right? You, you, sometimes you got to get your hands dirty. James said it's not enough if, if somebody comes by and says, Hey, I'm hungry and, and they, or I need, uh, I'm cold. And they say, Well, I'll pray you get something to eat and some clothes. You go ahead. So I'm going to pray for you. Where you can make a difference with your hands, prayer isn't enough. Just that we are called to be the hands and the feet. We notice, we listen. Here, here's what I believe. I believe God's going to change this. This right here. And some of you know my context and my work. I spent a decade on the economic, political side trying to solve this. As a believer. And you can't, you, you can't, you can't do it. Because some of these things, you you come down here. I don't know if you've ever met with somebody who's stuck in generational poverty. Have you ever talked with somebody that that has been there? I, I I've, I've talked with people who said, you know what? Like, um, uh, I really can't. I, I I really I really can't take a raise. Because my rent will go up. Like. Wait, and, I, and then I think back to this as they got ownership of their own lives. They feel freedom to choose and decide. All of a sudden, we can't just be honest. The, the, the government has stepped into a, the role of the church. Amen. And when the government does that, they make transactions, they do not build relationships. Amen. And I don't know how God's going to fix all this, and He may not fix it, but I believe He can. And I believe we can make a difference, and we're called to make a difference, and not, not to be complacent. So this place, New Beginnings, uh, is I see it uh, as a training ground for war. I'm talking about spiritual war that is all around us. That has broken people's spirits, that has drained hope out of this place, out of homes, out of families, and if they're ever going to find it, it will not be in the next president. Amen. It will not be in the next program. It will be in a manger. lived out through his church. There's um, you you know our heart here and you know we are uh, working to plant new church we will be outside these walls 2022 new beginnings will be outside these walls all right we're going to be loving we're going to be serving we're going to be giving we're going to be doing things like uh, it was real easy for me kind of the last few months to start getting real comfortable and thinking oh we got a good service we got to get this started you start thinking about children like all this stuff is like whoa this is good stuff but it can't be the focus we're going to be making disciples you don't make disciples just in this place you got to go reach new people we got to be out serving living loving with people listening noticing and helping changing people's lives um and and so we're planting this church in in letcher county um and 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 we don't know man it feels like against all hope like i'm talking with michael clark who's going to be the pastor every week or two and um and uh and a couple things happened this last week um one, he told me this story. I don't want you to hear the story. There's a guy named Eddie Recy, uh that Michael knows, and, and Michael works in the addiction treatment field, and he, he and years ago he'd gotten Eddie out of jail and taken him to recovery, taking him to a treatment center. Um, and, and Eddie did good pretty good for a while, and then uh, he he got back into addiction, and then he got into treatment, and then he got back into addiction, and then he got into treatment. And then he got back into it. Y'all know this story, right? You, Eddie right now is active in addiction. But he saw on Facebook about Michael planting a new church. And Michael ran into him at Food City. Michael's in there to get, I think he said, eggs and bacon. And Eddie walked up to him and said, Michael, man, I, I heard you're, you're, you're planting a church. He said, I've never been to church. I really don't know what it is, uh, but, but, man, I'm going to give you this. And gave him $50. You think, well, $50, what's that? I'm talking about $50 that he probably should have spent on meth. $50 per person from a person who's like probably scrounging for quarters to eat. like that that's the kind of church that even that person says, "Man, I want to give I, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to be there when you start." Like, what you're doing? Like, you, I've seen you, you've been in the trenches with me. You came and saw me in jail. You took me, you tried to help me. You're trying to help me. I want to give you $50. And we're up against this like, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do and how we're going to plant a church and resources and, and do this. And, you know, people have said, uh, uh, yeah, you can't plant a church right now. All the money's dried up. Another pastor told me that. You can't plant a church right now. All the, uh, all the money's dried up. We'll wait till another time. Michael, for next year, we were meeting this week. Somebody in Lexington heard about what he was doing. For 2022, one person gave six figures. I mean, Michael was worried about how he's going to pay for coffee the first service. God's money is not dried up, God is not done, God is not throwing in the towel. This got, and we're part of this movement called Together for the Mountains, and it's a God-inspired movement. I've been talking to people in, in Martin County. He's like, man, God's doing something here is what, what i got in my heart. And I'm like, all right, let's go. And then I'm talking to somebody in Jackson County. They're like, God's doing this, and we got this church, and we're wanting to plant, and then and mentor programs. And I'm saying, like, oh, my gosh, God is absolutely already planted his people here. He's given them a heart. And we're getting ready to bring them together. It's like a bunch of little campfires right now, okay? It's like you've got a fire burning. you got a log here, log here. And you know what happens when you pile them up, when you bring them together, when you connect. Here's the, here's the question. We found this last verse. So also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again not to deal with our sins but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting. Uh, Hope is is a state of mind that is waiting. That's looking toward the future. And in our waiting, we're going to be working. (laughs) Okay? We are going to be working the Great Commission we are going to be working the great commandment and changing people's lives. I'll ask you this question as uh, we close. And I heard this, uh, uh, I can't remember where I heard it this week. Um, it was from a preacher, and he said, you know, uh, we, sometimes we get wrapped up in the present, and we forget about eternity. And so he asked the question, a million years from now, When you look back on your time on earth, like it's kind of like a sandbox. He said, will you be pleased with what you did in that time there? Will you be thinking, oh, man, I'm so glad every Christmas I watched 45 Hallmark movies? (laughs) (laughs) That was spoken to me. What we say, I'm so glad, man, I'm so glad like every couple of years I kept the newest Tahoe. <laughs> I'm so glad, like I make sure I didn't get down like four years down in a model. <laughs> that would have been terrible. <laughs> so glad I worked 80 hours a week. I'm saying in 2022, let's, let's be, let's do the things that a million years from now, when we look back and we say, "I'm glad I didn't care what I drove. I just went. I went to the under the bridges. I went to the neighbor that I've driven by a thousand times and I asked them if they were okay. I mean, like literally, we just don't even pay attention. It's the truth, because <laughs> we feel hopeless. We feel like it's hopeless." But Abraham had the right idea. Against all hope, in hope he believed. God, as we prepare to close today, uh, thank you that in the birth of Jesus and his resurrection, we see your ability. To You conquered death, the thing that no one else could do, the thing that proves you are who you are. God, that we have hope for eternity when we put our faith in you our, our, our sins become righteousness. We have hope in our present. We have your power living inside of us to overcome strongholds and addictions and barriers and obstacles that Satan throws into our life. And because we trust you, God, we've got work to do and we feel called to it and we want to do it. We want to put you first and not us first. God, give us that strength, the conviction, the heart. To believe against all hope. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.